Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Wind Against Tide for another week. It's uh, brilliant to be in studio. Uh, you've got myself, Dave, standing, and beside me is good friend Joseph Fernand, who has donned his fly fishing outfit once again. I'm rolling up my sleeves to get dirty with tonight's fishing content. You ready to rumble, Joey? I'm ready to rumble. Good to see you, mate. Uh, well, you're going to have to um, hold the show together tonight because you're the only one that's been fishing this week. That's exactly right. Uh, I jumped on board uh, Andrew and Mason Virginis's boat on Sunday afternoon. Uh, well, sorry, Sunday early morning, in fact. Um, and we headed out the eastern entrance uh, up on your screen there now. It's a beautiful backdrop of uh, Cape Woolamai and the Full moon there in all of its glory. It's a full moon, mate. Yeah, we headed out early uh, Sunday morning and it was beautiful conditions. It was under 10 knots. We headed out the eastern entrance and uh, had ourselves cast at some tuna. Um, as suspected, uh, the annual migration of mutton birds were well and truly um, in effect there. As you can see on your screen there. Heaps of them, heaps of them everywhere. Um, shearwaters. Oh, the shearwaters, sorry, they're not mutton birds? No, they're both. Oh, okay. Shearwaters, a.k.a. mutton birds. Yep. So as you, <laughs> as you can see on your screen there, there's just literally thousands of these birds um, sitting on the water, taking off, you know, feeding, coming back. And, uh, yeah, they're just the, – the tuna schools are actually underneath these birds, but uh, – they weren't very, very obvious. It, um, we, we did have to sort of chase these flotillas of, of birds. We headed down towards Coal Point in that 40, 40 to 50 metre mark. and um, but, but we did, finally at around 10 o'clock there was a tide change and we started seeing some buffs um, out the back of the shearwater and mutton bird flotillas. Um, we, before the fish came up, we set out a trolling spread and thought that that would be a good idea to troll around these flotillas of mutton birds because usually if you see flotillas of mutton birds, there's there's been some uh, bait in the area. And the tuna are actually feeding on white bait at the eastern entrance on Sunday. So, Yeah, well, the, one of the fish I gutted last week had a um, stomach full of tiny white bait, Joe. Yeah. So that is certainly the main food of cho choice out there, mate. Yep, absolutely. So, yep, there was... Um, yeah, there, we trolled around the inactive flotillas of mutton birds. We did have uh, the Halco King Brown scream off at about 9.30, but the hooks didn't stick. So we waited until that tide change. And around 10 o'clock when that tide change happened, we could see uh, explosions happening out the back of these mutton bird flotillas um, in which I said to the boys, let's bring in the trolling gear um, these explosions of fish are sort of happening very infrequent and uh, it was my skipper's decision to say we need to chase them with the boat. So, Captain Joey. Yep. I, he is we, their captain. We, we brought in the trolling gear and we got the popper gear um, rods up the back corner of the boat and proceeded to chase the school, uh, in, managed to go wide berth of the uh, – of the uh, mutton flotillas, so imagine a big patch of a uh, big. Sorry, talking with with my uh, with my hands. Imagine a big patch of birds 
took the boat right around the outside of this pack of uh, mutton birds and one thing that I did remember, usually when I go fishing with Dave, I'm usually doodling on my phone or asleep or eating or really just having my best life. But uh, today there was no Dave on board, so I had to uh, really hone my skills in. Man, I was like a uh, a proud father sending the young Joey out to the wide world of tuna fishing on his own. Yeah. And uh, you, you absolutely dominated, mate, so well done. And fantastic to see that you were able to get a young fella into uh, into game fishing so close to home and uh, he looked like he had a ball. Yeah, it was. Uh, Mason and Andrew are members of the um, the, the Bowie um, Motorboat Club So, and that was their first set of tuna. Motorbike Club? Motorboat. Oh, motorboat. Yeah. Oof. Good old motorboating. Yes. So, <laughs> but yeah, look, anyways, where I was at with the story was I was Got in front of these uh, birds and it's so important, Dave, I remembered that, you know, when you're casting at these tuna, you really have to, it's critical that you position the boat where the school is feeding towards. And that's something you said last weekend, you always position the boat upwind of where the tuna school is, is feeding. So many times when I'm out on the water and watching blokes wanting to cast at these fish, people just drive straight up the back of them or straight through the middle of them. Um, that, that's the first way to make the school go down. So when you're chasing tuna, boat positioning is absolutely critical. Go wide of the fish and position the boat upwind where the leader pack, the, the, the leader fish is feeding towards <laughs> and, oh. and, cast, and cast towards that leader fish. A lot of people are very interested in how to get be a part of this motor. <laughs> Motorboating club, Joe. Yeah. Um, where were the meetings and, um, yeah, what's the go there? Yeah. No, that's all right. We won't, we won't delve too far into that. That's all right. But grow, Dave, grow up, everyone. Upwind <clears throat> positioning the boat, very important, right? It is. Um, and I think you touched on another thing there, like with topwater tunering, everyone um, wants to have a crack at it. But I guess the, uh, the biggest piece of advice with that is just commit, Joe. Um, you see a lot of people have a crack at um, casting, but they're doing it while still trolling. And especially with um, with poppers, it's just not going to work because you really want to work the lure quite slowly and keep it in the in the zone for as long as you can. If you're trying to cast while you're trolling, you know, by the time you've cast, the boat's moving at the lure, you're struggling to even keep tight on your um, on your line. So if you want to have a crack at popping, pop-dogging on those tuna out there, then my, my advice is just stop and... Um, and uh, commit. It's a bloody awesome. It's. I was talking to Mitch Chapman today. He's uh, EJ Todd, uh, Mariah Pop Queen distributor, and he. We both said, you know what? I think it's it's actually our favourite form of fishing. Like we catch plenty of big fish, um, do all sorts of other forms of fishing, but uh, watching those things explode out of the water is just so much fun. And it's just you know it's such a exceptional fishery we have so close to home now, Joe. Look, and one of the like. One, I felt so good on the weekend getting uh, helping out Andrew or Mason get stuck into the fish. Um, they'd never caught one on popping before. Um, you know, the week before we were fishing with Suraj and Jeremy and, you know, we had a boat full of people and it was, it was very, very hard to cast at the fish when they were moving so fast. But, like, what I'm trying to say is Andrew and Mason had never cast a tuna before, but by positioning that boat right in front of that, that leader fish, um, upwind, it only takes one cast 
and these boys were on straight away. Um, Andrew hooked the first one. Uh, he cast, and literally as his popper hit the water, the rod was tight, and he's going, I got a bird. And then all of a sudden, oh, that's not a bird. Exciting. <laughs> and then same thing, we got Andrew's fish in. Um, once again, got that boat upwind in front of the leader fish. Mason, 12 years old, this kid. I tell you what, look out for him because he's actually caught a lot of huge snapper. It was his first tuna on the weekend. Mason uh, cast, uh, did three little pops um, in front of the leader fish and big wide explosion engulfed his lure and he was on. It's crazy, Joe. I remember when I was 12, I think I was catching um, pinkies and whiting. So the fact that young guys like uh, Mason have the opportunity to go out and tangle with a southern bluefin tuna so close to home. These boys had a belter of a... uh, of a snapper season at the front of Elizabeth Island and, yeah, Mason got him up to eight kilos. So he's caught a bigger snapper than me, this kid. But, um, yeah, really good rod technique, angling, um, really cool to see. Fantastic. Absolutely wrapped for him. So there you go. That was uh, that was my tale of the, of the weekend. And um, oh, I've got a couple, couple more peaches just to round off this story. There we go. Smiles all about on board. Joseph, I'm so impressed with your fishing ability and your captaining. You've gone up a level. I'm going to betroth my captain hat off my own skull and <laughs> present it to you. There you go, my friend. You are now Captain Joe. Molly's Marine Captain. Well done, sir. Well, I didn't have an actual captain hat on, but <laughs> actually I need that back to cover my balding. Oh, no, you don't. Okay. I quite like it. Very it's good. very virile. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we went past the fish and chip shop on the way back in. <laughs> that is also very important. Look, I guess Andrew provided some chicken, so we just I said, look, we'll just get some fish and chips to kind of round out the meal. So there we go. What was he doing bringing chicken? Doesn't he know the drill? Oh, well, he's well drilled now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so Joe, a little bit of a sombre note when I walked in the to your house today. Notice we are minus one fish from the tank behind us. Yeah, it's a little bit sad. Um, one of the big males got got really attacked um it's an african cichlid they're very they're an aggressive pack fish and uh they singled out one of the males they said he's not good enough to swim with the other fish and they attacked the back of his tail he was getting better but i don't know what happened man he, he just died it was a bit disconcerting trying to enjoy my delicious meal of chicken and chips watching um old mate floating around upside down in his in his rescue tank yeah it was uh a little bit sad and i suggested like He's dead, so surely we rip a couple of fillets off, but you thought that wasn't really appropriate. Well, we can, um, I don't know, we can talk about that post-show. Maybe we can keep it for a gummy bait or something. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> but I think but hey, post- how often do we go gummy fishing these days? Oh, we don't. That's why I'm saying we should eat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <far laughs> Look at them, they're meaty. You know what, if I die, Joe, I hope that people feast upon my <laughs> Feast upon my flesh. No. I, I uh, struck you as a man that would probably donate his body to science. I, that's what I'm saying. I think it's what the fish would... The alternative just to be flushed down your toilet and block the drain. Like, we may as well rip some fillets off. Okay. All right. Why not? I'm into it. A uh, few news articles out and about today, Joey. One that I thought we might uh, do a little bit of a live reaction on as you straighten yourself up mm. is the... A uh, blue groper band that's been announced in New South Wales. What is a blue groper? They're a groper that is blue. 
So yeah, no, they're a very um, they're quite a prolific inshore species, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pull very hard. Can be caught uh, whilst rock fishing using baits such as uh, crab is uh, quite popular, and um, they are actually quite good eating. But they do become a little bit susceptible to, uh, especially overfishing via spear fishing because. They're known to come out up and sort of say hi to um, to divers and approach them. And um, there's a few, I believe, along those local Sydney beaches, there's some blue gropers that have been named and they're uh, like kind of like tourist attractions. Oh, yeah. So, like, the, um, like local, like, like the local potato cods at uh, Hamilton Island that yeah. live around the jetties and wharfs, right? It's like up in Queensland how they have the big, uh, the big Queensland gropers that are bloody massive. Oh. It's like if you, you know, the tourists are all there feeding them and you wandered down with your, your 50 wide and just absolutely <laughs> pasted it and uh, swung some gaffs into it sort of thing in front of the, the poor children. I don't like how that would go down. Um, or, you know, like the local giant stingrays that are at all our local like Stony Point ramp. Oh, and yeah, old, you know, old stumpy tail. You yeah. went down there and you hit them with a flying gaff, similar sort of situation, I believe. So over summer there was a couple of blue groper which were speared and it was put on social media. Mm-hmm. Which created quite an uproar amongst the community. Um, so now there has been a ban put in place. So the video you're about to watch is Minister Mark Benassinus, Benassinus versus Minister Tara Moriarty. So have a little oh, bit yeah, of a this watch is, of this, this one. This is a great Joe. watch. He absolutely rips her to shreds. Of the blue groper. Uh, there are a number of blue groper yeah, across New South Wales. What's the number? We're protecting it because what's the number? of the uh, community uh, feelings around the protection of how this you, particular how do you, species. How do you know, how do you know mm, what the she index loves of a good abundance groper. is, Minister? I mean, I'm trying to answer your questions, Mr Benassiak. Hey, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking a clarified question. How do you know what the index of abundance is? Well, this is, this is advice that I would seek from uh, the department, just as I did in relation to this how decision. Does the, how does the department know uh, when they haven't done the stock assessment? Well, this is the work that they do. Well, they uh, haven't. Every I'm telling you, they day haven't. of the week, and I'm really uh, proud of the work that fisheries do, New South Wales fisheries do, um, within the primary industries well, department we'll, we'll in New South we'll Wales. We'll see shortly, Minister. How um, I, I sought advice uh, from them after the uh, occurrences that okay, happened so over what's, the summer. What's, what's the current uh, stock assessment, Minister? And this is what we have, uh, and this is the decision that we've made. What's the and current? I'm really pleased what, Minister, that we've made this decision. I'm redirecting. It's certainly uh, supported the question, by uh, Minister, the broad community. Order. What is the current stock assessment for the blue groper? I'm happy to get a specific answer. Perhaps Dr. Sloan well, can provide would, that, well, or I'm happy to hope get that you specific would details this, for you and provide one it on notice if you would like, answer, Mr. Benassiak. I'd one, like to answer your question. One would hope you would have this answer ready, given that you know that you dropped this announcement a day before coming to estimates. So, Joseph, we don't. Are we having a half-time break? Uh, yeah, potentially. The the main gist of this is that. Uh, Mark is pointing out that there's been no actual stock assessment or research put into this ban. Yep. And Tara Moriarty is basically admitting that this has just been done to appease a minority or, you know, not so much a minority. Nobody wants to see, um, you know, these fish being killed as token trophies or anything, but uh, all these decisions need to be made on with scientific backing um, because – with a lot of other things going on the last few years, we've been told to trust the science, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. Trust the science. Yet with this ban on Groper, we're being told we're doing it just because 
community, there's been apparent community outcry. Even though the, the scientific the, uh, research indicates that they are in quite good numbers, which I think Mark goes on to talk about a little bit later here. In fact, he also mentions that there could potentially be a case where if these blue group are, are protected and say a snapper um, is a red, you know, a red snapper is is not protected, then the groper can become quite territorial, and then they're kicking the snapper out of uh, out of that habitat, which can you know there becomes an imbalance within mm. the within the environment. So yeah, if you want to watch that whole thing, it's uh, there's a video up there from the hunting and hunters fishers shooting party. It's worth a look, um, but a little bit concerning, really, the fact that this law's been passed with little to no scientific basis. Well, just with one of those issues, um, wasn't it there once AGL was planning to come into Western Port and there was full-blown scientific studies that happened um, for, for that to not go ahead? Is Am I right in saying that? Yeah, there was a request for a... Um, oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Yeah? Oh, sorry. There, there was a request for... <laughs> Um, I can't you know what I'm trying to say though, just like the moral of the story is that they're actually, okay, they, they looked at it and uh, environmental impact statement. And That's it, environmental impact statement. It, that was presented and yeah. then it was voted against, not just based off emotion, based it off fact. It's very interesting times that we live in, that's for sure. So yeah, definitely having worth having a look at that one. Um, and there was another recent announcement that I did see on the socials um, just while we're looking at the political landscape, was that the wind turbine, the wind farms off Portland, Joe, they've reportedly been uh, put on the back burner and they're off the table is the words that we used. Mm-hmm. So um, allegedly that's because one of the reasons anyway was that Portland cannot handle the um, the port is not large enough to maintain the, the wind farms out there. Yep. But either way, that's an absolute win for the environment. And, um, of course, one of the reasons was the, the massive backlash from the community. So well done to everyone down there. Hopefully that is what comes into fruition and um, we see that coastline stay immaculate because it's pretty good down there, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Even right now down there at Portland, the fishing's, um, as always, very good. It gets a little bit overshadowed this time of year, but it won't be long and everyone will be down there chasing the big jumbo tuna as they... They migrate through and the beautiful flocks of birds and whales and all that. And gannets sort and of thing all that, that good stuff. We love to see, Joe. So uh, yeah. it'll be quite interesting to keep an eye on. That's political win against tide done for the night. Uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep on that tangent there. Um, on my next uh, point on the agenda, it's coming back into Stony Point Ramp with, uh, with Andrew and Mason on board. And Andrew said to me, Goes, you know what, Joey? I bloody love Stony Point Ramp. I love to camp at the caravan park, mate. I love this ramp. But tell you one thing that they could do here, even like if all of us chipped in fifty bucks, why don't they build a a shelter over the cleaning tables to stop our catch from getting sunbaked in the harsh, uh, you know, sun? Well, you probably just need to fill it quicker. I would suggest, Joe. <laughs> That's that's soft, mate. Soft. No, I know what you're saying. Hastings, our ramp down the road has absolutely immaculate cleaning tables these days with a nice hut above the the top. But um, Look, I mean, the table's already there. It just needs a couple of like four posts and some uh, tin roof. Like it wouldn't cost a lot. Yeah, and you'd like some some bug zappers. 
there to keep the, <laughs> the sand flies away. Some citronella candles as well. <laughs> hey, just while we've, we are on the subject or close to the subject, Tidehunter has chirped up in the live chat, which is awesome. We absolutely love it when guys uh, contribute. A blue so groper fact. The blue groper is the New South Wales state fish and has been protected from spearfishing since 1969, which I was, um, yep, I thought that was the case. Oh, yeah, why doesn't it on a 20-cent piece then? So what? he's, well, it probably is. <laughs> So he's saying why change the rules because someone is breaking the law. That's a good point. Mm. Thanks. Let that sink in. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the ramp. You're not happy with the ramp. Wasn't there something here about you weren't happy with the toilet paper? Situation? Oh, that's later. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let that one out of the we'll bag. Circle, sorry, we'll circle around on that one a <laughs> okay. little bit a little bit later. Uh one of our um, – oh, actually, I've got one more political thing here, Joe. Oh, okay. I'm all over the shop here, sorry. Good. If we want to throw to the laptop yeah, here. Yeah, sure. So one of the um, absolute guns of the game fishing industry has brought up a pretty interesting topic here, uh, Darren Buttergig. So he is uh, – you've probably seen that name because he's always breaking world records and winning tournaments and that sort of thing. So he's put up a bit of a post and um, basically what he's saying here is – um, he said, I must read for all fishermen that, that chase marlin on the east coast of New South Wales. We should be alarmed as we have a serious problem. So you remember, Joe, when we had the super trawler off the coast, south coast there a few years ago and that was actually sent back overseas through public backlash? Yep, it was. We now have several smaller... The we, the we fish movement. That's right. We now have several smaller but still uh, quite large... Trawlers working the mackerel along that coast. Um, and Darren's pointing out that they're there at the moment. They're um, going up and down the coast 24-7. They go in and they unload at, um, uh, where was it? Sorry, they unload at like Eden, I think it was, and Holodala. And then they head straight back out again and they're straight into it. So there's not really any respite. Um, and basically what he's saying there is everyone can have a read of their own, but the marlin fishing there he's found has been severely impacted in that the bait is just not holding up because it's just getting decimated. So even where it looks like it should be on the charts, the trawlers are coming through and they're having a large impact. Um, Darren's noticed that the bait size has dropped, uh, which is a bit of a concern. And it's uh, it, it could potentially be very bad for that fishing industry, Joe. So one one that's one to keep an eye on for sure. I think that one sort of snuck under the radar because – the Super Troller was such a big, obvious international phenomenon. It was huge, that ship. And this is basically a, a bunch of smaller boats taking the same quantity but going under the radar a little bit. And mm-hmm. the, the fish that they're catching is being used for um, pet food and fertilizer and that sort of stuff. So perhaps not being used as well as it probably could or should be. Uh, Rodney Gillum in the chat there saying 3,000 tonne in... Twenty one oh five, and eleven thousand now, twenty fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Ah, that's the increase. Thanks, Rodney. So from twenty fifteen to now, it's increased uh, from three thousand to twenty uh, to eleven thousand. So that's pretty massive, Joe. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye on that one. Hopefully, that doesn't become an issue. Now, speaking of the marlin fishery, uh, if you can get up our friend. Dreamcatcher Sport Fishing page maybe on your phone there, Joey. Yeah, sure. Without any stray scrolling going on. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, um, I was quite amazed by a post that 
uh, Richie Arbella, good friend of the show, put up just recently. He was out fishing off the coast of New South Wales and that's the one, Joe. There was an afternoon sea breeze forecast that was supposed to get up to 20 to 25 knots but as you can see there, he came up to about 45 knots right as they hooked up on a fish. Man, that is rough. Like we always know an, an iPhone doesn't do justice to how bad it is. That is absolutely shocking. That's an absolute tank of a boat and... It's a 30-foot boat, isn't it? It's Yeah, um, just under, yeah. So massive boat and that does not look like it's fun at all, Joe. Yeah, he's he's in the chair. He's not standing up. Um, so that, it led, led me to think, Joe, what is the worst weather conditions you have ever fished in? Um, it was actually not far from that coast. I'm going to say it was in uh, circa 20... 2012 or 2013, and uh, it was back when the bluefin tuna were showing up in big numbers at about sort of that 40 to 60 kilo mark, and they were off the second drop off um, off Eden, or the, the I don't know what you call the second uh, yeah, continental second, second continental shelf drop off um, off off Eden. We were 80 kilometres out, and uh, we left a beautiful twofold bay in glassy lake style conditions. Um, you know, it was back in the days where we'd drive overnight from um, southeast suburbs of Melbourne to, to Eden and we had made the trip out there, which was it's about an hour and 40 um, in, the, in, in the Bar Crusher uh, 625 um, open, open boat. And, yeah, by the time we made our journey to that second drop-off, um, the wind came up to about 30-odd knots and, uh, yeah, we had to zigzag our way back into the shore to, to drive the boat in the safest direction and radio in our position every 15 minutes because, uh, yeah, we looked at the sea breeze and it was gusting to 40 knots off Green Cape and that was not fun. We were absolutely saturated from our, uh, our wet weather gear. You know, the water got in through our jackets and I was absolutely saturated to my jocks and socks. And Crazy, we, but we, you made it in alive, Joe. Yeah. That's nuts. Well, Brendan was driving the boat. He did a good job driving the boat back in, getting us in safely. But that is the worst weather I have fished in, Dave. That's nuts. Oh, I've had quite a few of those occasions, Joe. Um, there's too many to think of, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them do happen off that coast of New South Wales because I think the shelf's so close. It's like you're like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter how rough it is, I'll go out anyway. I just think the weather's very unpredictable there. But the thing is, like the seas that we have down here in the southwest and in Bass Strait are probably a lot more. Well, they're more susceptible, susceptible. Sorry, to, to giant swells coming through, and we get that weather coming from uh, basically Antarctica. So, Look, some of the weather we've had down there in the southwest is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, among, amongst many other trips, was probably the first time I took my beautiful wife out fishing, Joe. Oh yeah. Took her down to Port McDonnell. And um, you returned to the Mac. Went down to Port McDonnell. The, the forecast was very iffy, but I talked her into coming anyway. <laughs> and uh, it was it, it was blowing about 30 knots. And we got out there and uh, the big tuna were about. And thankfully, within about 10 minutes of putting the spread in, we had um, a pack of fish come through the, and hit a couple of lures, and one of them hooked up. And uh, there, 
she was well. I had a friend with me, Alex, put him on the rod, and uh, poor old Maddie was over the other side vomiting the whole time. We eventually got this fish aboard, and she um, was like, "All right, can we go in now?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Damn it! I suppose I've got no excuse. We've got the fish on the deck, and um, <laughs> in we went and weighed the fish. But we were in by about eight a.m. And uh, here she is having a listen. So yeah. she's probably uh, got fond memories of that trip. We went in and weighed the fish. And um, that was probably one of the last offshore trips she ever did, Joe. But, you know, actually she did one more and she, she did she catch made, another She bar. made the magazine, uh, the yeah. front page of the Warrnambool newspaper, right? Yes, but I think that, um, yeah, her days were numbered after experiencing that that little trip there, Joe. Um, but, yeah, no, certainly we've had some absolutely horrendous weather, especially I think I've done a few in the last year or so when the, the big tuna are on locally and um, because it's, close to home you just give it a crack and out you go and um you put up with some pretty nasty weather lucky i've got a very seaworthy boat and uh it can be quite hairy out there at times so it just goes to show you know uh no fish is worth your life and all that joe no but um yeah some pretty nasty weather out there and you need to be careful yep uh, what else have we got here Do we we have had a uh, i've got a community announcement as well joey okay uh Maybe our, our Wind Against Tide community can help us here. There's been a thief. Oh. So we had a day ago, we had Nicky Edwards. So he had his boat stolen from Hampton region. Well, it's a lovely Edencraft, isn't it? It's a, like door. a six meter or an old Edencraft sort of thing. Twin Yamahas. It was stolen a day ago. So if anybody sees this boat out and about on the road, uh, it is... They need to call the police or contact Nikki and let him know because that has um, unfortunately been stolen, which is freaking annoying to see, isn't it, Joe? Yeah. That's, no, all, not, that's uh, not good. It's almost a gear grinding one. Yeah, twin motors, uh, double axle. It's a, it's a, it's a nice engine craft. It's a good vessel. It is. Mm. So, yeah, if you see that one, that one out and about, it's quite uh, easy to spot. Uh, then uh, dob on them, I would say. Yep. Absolutely dob on them. Are we going to go to the hookup, Dave? We do have some reports, Joe. Let's do it. Welcome to the hookup, where we go around Australia and indeed the world for the freshest fishing reports. All right, kicking off this week's hookup, we have got uh, one that's come in from far out fishing charters in Lakes Entrance, and it says. Marlin spotted on Thursday out Bass Canyon, sunning himself, plenty of bait on the surface, water temp 22 degrees and warmer to the east. We were not fishing, but signs look great. Cheers, Tony. There you go. So it's not a, like a capture, but it's just a... Something to get excitement going, Joe. Yeah. Mm, very good. Potential go. Lakes Entrance Marlin around. Yep. Uh, your your big boss actually went marlin fishing, didn't he? He did. He didn't. Um, they 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 hooked a marlin, and um, but yeah, they did two days up at Bermagui, roughly that same time that that video was taken, where um, where Richie Abella was fishing in absolutely terrible conditions. Um, they came home early, but yeah, the weather was so unpredictable that on the Tuesday, which they uh, planned to stay there, the, the weather was forecasted for bad, but it was actually fantastic. So, not much to report there, but just unpredictable weather. Oh, that's a, a non-report. Yes. Basically, you've written down there. 
Very interesting. Uh, Mega Ma- Mega Mako Joey. Oh right, I'm report yes. from Burmy during the week. Yes, I think I know which one you're referring to. That is right. I've, I've got it up here. here on the computer right. as well. Is yep. that it? So Karen Butler has uh, shared this one. Uh, some guys from Melbourne in a two-three-three formula caught a three hundred and sixty-four kilo mako shark. That is huge. Which put up a acrobatic display of cartwheels before they tried to gaff it and it went psycho boat side trying to eat the boat. They decided to follow it and it went down deep for a couple of hours as they tried to wear it out. They were able to gaff it and bring it into the boat. Caught on 37 kilo line. The boat's now got some pretty good scratches on it as you can see there, Joe. Yeah, but all right. I was, all right. Oh, I, I, I was hesitant to share that one, but it's a pretty interesting story. Um, not so sure I'd be keeping a maker of that magnitude, but... Each to their own, I guess, Joe. Yeah, that's that's freaking huge. It's basically a blue groper right there. <laughs> Absolute murderers. <laughs> <laughs> the Mako fishing's actually been become a little bit more back into fashion again locally. Have you noticed that? I was about to say that. Have yeah. we seen a few Mako dudes get about? Um, yeah. No, they're coming back. That's for a, sure. A few people have had, kind of like had their fill of tuna fishing and they're just switching to Makos now. And there's like obviously with all the bait and action around uh, in, in our area, the, the Makos are... Not too far behind, and there's been quite a lot of them caught, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. You can see those reports. Uh, I think the fishing online guys got out and got one, um, another one over the weekend. So well done to them. Make going. Yeah, there's been quite a few caught. So if you've had enough of chasing the tuna, you can sit out there and chuck out a trail and uh, catch one. And you know they're a good sports fish, the old Mako, so they're a good option. We used to we used to love doing that back in the day. Now, talking about Marl and Joseph. Oh, okay. We have a trip coming up. All right. We have a trip coming up. The Alliance Game Fishing Tournament. It can't, it's on the, what, in Victoria, it's a Labor Day weekend. So it is from the, the comp is actually on the 9th, I believe. Sat, the Saturday and the Sunday, which I think is the 9th and the 10th. Oh, shit. I have to pay my money tonight. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, Joe, you got to pay your way. <laughs> so luckily, and we're, um, I'm very blessed that this is the case, through work we've actually decided we're going to enter one of our one of our mighty Haynes hunters into the arena, Joe. We're going up there on a work trip. Yes. I've managed to weasel you on the boat as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So we are taking up a Haynes Hunter 725 enclosed, which is an absolute beast of a boat. 400 horses hanging off the back there, Joey. That's right, Dave. 7.23 metres with a 2.5 metre beam and it's 2.2 metres high and it's 1,500 kilos without the engine with a max fuel capacity of 380 litres. Jesus, you want my job, sir. You know all the facts. <laughs> That's um, about that. <laughs> but you you got to wait till you see the fit out on this, Joe. We yeah, are what's gonna... it fitted out? I've just got the fit out picture here. It looks well, like all Faruno gear on it, which yep. is... We're going to put a steering wheel in. Oh, that's... Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> um, it is getting... It's got two Furuno TZ touches there on the on the dash, uh, which I think they're like a 12-inch, possibly bigger. And there's another one there next to the steering wheel, which is going to um, talk to the Suzuki engines and give us all that data. But uh, this boat's also got sea deck flooring. It's got uh, outriggers. It's got slimy tubes. It's got... Night vision, Fergie-style night vision. It's got, uh, what else has it got? Twin live bait tanks. It's basically... Uh, Riggers? 
Yep, we've got the riggers set up. It's basically a marlin catching machine, so it's going to be an absolute pleasure to fish out of. I can't wait. So we will be up there in the tournament and maybe fit a day in either side. So if anyone is up there fishing. Will we be at the pub afterwards? There'll be some pubbing. The There's a barbecue, which I believe we've um, thrown some money in so we can get some good sausages going. Some uh, some wog sausages, the well, chili, chili continental sausages. On the Friday night there'll be a barbecue <laughs> and then I think on the Sunday there's the presentation uh, where yeah. we'll get our, our, our trophy for winning. Yeah. yeah, Webby says no pressure. Absolutely there's pressure. There's, oh, mate, I'm under pressure. The, this boat's been fitted out specifically for this trip. I've managed to convince everyone that I'm actually good at marlin fishing. <laughs> it's been about three years since I've actually gone. Um, the, the, the bite's not red hot at Burmy, so let's just lower our expectations here a little bit. Hopefully it kicks up a gear well, a little it bit. Might. Well, it's the damn trawlers have been through, Joe. No, but I think it's going to pick up in the next uh, the next little while and we'll see a, a fantastic comp. So if anyone does want to jump on and, and join... There's still time to get your entries in. It's the Alliance Game Fishing Tournament. Joey and I are actually, for the first time in our lives, Game Fishing Club members. We've joined Latrobe Valley Game Club. Yes, we have. And we are fist bumping over that. Well done, us. Yep. And we are going to go up there and uh, absolutely fish the house down. So looking forward to that. And basically, Joey, you're there for being cameraman. So um, get any thoughts of winding fishing out of your mind? Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, first we, come, first... <laughs> well, it's quite a big napping cabin and you do like napping. That's true because I am actually <laughs> in classic. You got a gig, you got a gig in, on the Saturday night. Classic Joe style. I am uh, coming straight from music commitments. I've got a gig up at Brighter Days Festival in Bright, which is about three and, three and a half hours northeast of Melbourne. And I've, and it's only an early set. Um, it's, it's a music festival that's going to go uh, later on, I think, um, John Stevens is on later. Some some other ones on later, but you know I'm four till six. Then about six thirty, I just wham the base into the car, and I'm driving to Burmy, um, which should get put me into Burmy about one a.m. And we'll fish Sunday in the Alliance Comp, and hopefully, if the weather holds out, we can fish Monday and come home at a reasonable time Monday night. Any tickets left for the gig? Yeah, I believe there is. Yeah, Friday days, Friday days fest, but uh, yeah. You want to see Joey's fishing and music. You want to see Joey strumming the bass. You can, you can go there and watch Joey strumming the bass, and then you can head on to Burmy from there and join in the the road trip and watch Joey strumming a, a marlin. I plan to bring my groupies with me from the festival straight to Birmingham. <laughs> groupies, <laughs> well done, sir. How are you going to keep yourself awake for that drive? That sounds dangerous. Oh, I'm going to listen to um, Wind Against Tide all the way back from episode one. Oh wow, There's, that'll be quite boring for you because we really sucked <laughs> at the start. <laughs> It's an it does actually take a while to get a podcast going. Like, like really, you would have been lucky to have like twelve people listen to you when you first started. Absolutely, and then you, you know what? You just keep going because you do it for the love of the pod. To this very day, it doesn't really make any money, but boy, do we have some fun. We do. We got thirty nine people in the chat room, and they're having the times of their life. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely looking forward to that, Joey. the The boat's going to be up there. It's going to be a pleasure to fish out of, and. We can take people for a ride in the boat over that weekend if they want to have a spin in it because it's going to be pretty quick, 400 horsepower. Might even might even just put a for sales sticker on it after oh. that weekend. Yeah, she's for sale. Ooh. She is for sale. And it comes with a Joe guide. Joe's Sound. done his tuna, his tuna guide and now he's a ticketed guider. Yep. 
Um, so you want to probably book Joe because there's only about uh, 15 guides in Victoria at my last count. Um, <laughs> there's not many people doing the guiding service thing. So, you know, get on board with Joseph. He will absolutely lead you onto the fish. Uh, he will be sure to plug some sort of hook brand as well at the same time and uh, absolutely, uh, you know, uh, individual you are, Joe. Yes. Joe Guides, get aboard. Fantastic. So we will see you all up, all, all up there. Hopefully get some awesome footage and some content for the podcast. I'm sure there'll be some funny stories. No, I'm looking forward to filming that boat it's, um, and the way it's fitted out. It's going to be pretty epic. Absolutely. So that is uh, to look forward to. Uh, continuing on with our fishing reports, there's been a lot of giant flathead getting caught, Joe, down in the Gippsland Lakes region. Well, I'm definitely not an expert of this, but I will uh, I will take your lead on this. Oh, well, I've just seen a lot of photos popping up. I don't have actually anything to show. Okay. But the guys fishing uh, glide baits and bent minnows across the, across the flats there have been doing really well on the flathead uh, from basically lakes up to Malakuta, mm-hmm. which is, I think I've mentioned many times, something that, I'd love to do a little bit more of. So, uh, well done to everyone who's been getting amongst that. It's a cool fishery. Like they're they're a cool fish. Oh. They go hard, big floody dogs. And, and down that part of the world, um, how's about the uh, ninety mile beach? The big sharks off the beach. There's been yeah, quite a few sharks caught off the beach. Yeah, recently. I, I think I've even uh, I can even uh, get access to some of that. What's going on there? Um, yep, up on your screen there now. Uh, yeah. Fishing the 90 mile. Just landed my once in a lifetime today. Uh, Massive bronze whaler. Massive bronze whaler. All right. King Kong Donkey Kong Catch of the Week. Okay. This goes out to a 1.4 meter brute of a kingfish. Caught off the Tarthra Wharf. Have a look at this one, Joey. Oh, that's massive. How good is that? 1.4 meters. That's unbelievable. And the, so, and the water off that Tartha Wharf, it's so deep and blue. Like, like you look down there, it's freaking, it's massive. Like people sometimes jump off it um, for kicks, but yeah. So 1.4 metres, that's got to be, if that was in New Zealand, that's like a 30, 40 kilo fish. But um, here in Victoria, our, well, in Australia, our fish tend to be a little bit leaner. So, you know, that one's probably in the... Ooh, early 20 kilo range, I reckon. Yep. Early to mid. So massively long fish, not not super thick, but land-based off a wharf there. Huge effort. So well done. Yeah, nice. Uh, so that's your catch of the week, Joey. Well, we didn't even play the King thing. King Kong, Donkey Kong, mate. Look <laughs> The king of the week. Love it. Love it. Uh, there's a few things that are grinding your gears, I believe, Joe, now that we've gone through the fishing reports. Oh, yeah. We now go to Peter Griffin for You Know What Really Grinds My Gears. Thanks, Tom. You know what really grinds my gears? Shopping bags. About five years ago, shopping bags at the supermarket, they never used to cost anything. No. They used to get, no, you grumpy used to get, old man. Used to get your shopping packed in beautiful plastic bags that would hold the shopping in nicely and um, you'd, be, you'd be very happy. Nowadays, they charge you for shopping bags. They cost 25 cents at your local supermarket. And for a 25 cent bag that you pay for, it's paper. And it usually busts open when you overload it because there's nobody to 
check in your groceries. So you self-pack it yourself and most people don't know how to pack groceries, let's face it. And your 25 cent bag busts and doesn't even make it to the car. So straight away you're out of pocket. Then you can buy a more premium bag. You go to General Pants, you can buy a more premium bag for like um, you know, 50 cents but then it's got their logo printed on it and then they get free advertising all over the shopping centre. So that's what grinds my gears. <laughs> that's what you've gone with this week. <laughs> you must be bring back, happy. Bring back, free, bring back free shopping bags. I'm sick of my, my paper shopping bag busting and exploding all over the car park. And I don't want to give free advertising if I have to pay 50 cents for a shopping bag, Mr. Retailer. Well, why aren't you just prepared and you take uh, pre, pre-bought strong bags in like everyone else does? Move with the times, Joe. Your plastic disposable ones are choking the environment. Right. Sorry to shut you down. Sounds like you want to... Um, I work sounds for, like you're a Blue Groper supporter. Sounds <laughs> like I work for the, the big shopping bag, bag industry. <laughs> uh, you got another one that's infuriated you. Yes. Um, nothing, nothing more infuriating than going... In Victoria, we have to jump on a boat and when we want to go ocean fishing it's anywhere from oh, an hour to an hour and a half trip um, roundabouts and uh, usually you leave the ramp early in the day and um, you you know you eat food you go you're about pro- your day you're a prolific pooper you start you start compacting Basically. you start compacting as we call it and um, you're absolutely busting the go to the toilet when you get back into the ramp and usually when the captain pulls up to the pontoon, usually get off the boat and, uh, you know, hobble my way to the toilet. And it might even be like a slight little sprint, depending how urgent the toilet stop is. There's nothing worse than getting to that toilet block and there's no toilet paper because it's been used all day. That must be infuriating. It pisses me off, Dave. Is that why you're then always bursting to my house and use my toilet paper? <laughs> And your hand soaps and your pot puree. <laughs> it's like a, a, the, the standing residence. It's, it's on Stony Point Road. It's, a, it's a quite a good little... Uh, Don't tell everyone they can stop at my house and put in my toilet. <laughs> Did you fix it? No, it's, it's out of order so nobody stop and use it. <laughs> You're a bit of a, one, a before and after trip pooper to be honest. I'm sorry to go down the toilet with this subject. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's, I, I like to feel, you know... I like to feel free, you know. Yeah, no, you like you like to be you like to be um you like to shift the line. And people tell me, oh, just why don't you hang your butt overboard? I'm like, no, you you can't you can't poop on a boat, no, unless it's really bad. Oh, you can on my boat. It's got a beautiful side door which you can just um you can just hang over and away you go. So. Oh yeah, actually yeah, you've got the side compartment, so you can just kind of like sit on that fiberglass shelf like a real toilet and yeah okay that's uh what grinds your gears this week dave man i was just having a quick look at the socials and i saw uh our good friend michelle she posted a video of an elephant fish oh really and that seemed really innocent but then i clicked on it and i watched it and i i start this isn't the same one but i started watching it and i was like i was like you know what that elephant fish is an absolute moron. It looks beautiful. It's like flapping like a butterfly. You can see you can see it there flapping along. Mate, you've got a tail. 
Why oh, are you using you your two pack fins to swim when you've got a perfectly good tail there? That is so cool. I've never seen an elephant fish swimming. That is that is magnificent. No, Joe, that is an imbecile. An absolute imbecile of a fish. First That's of beautiful. all, it can't don't be, be like that. You can't decide if it's even a fish or a shark, first of all. Oh, look at its little then, claspers. Oh, Jesus, that's terrifying. <laughs> just poked its legs out. And then second of all, it's bloody just flapping its fins around to swim rather than using its its perfectly good tail that's attached to the back of its body. You know what? You've seen those inflatable toys at BCF. I reckon they should make an inflatable elephant fish. That would be fun for all the family. It would be. Yeah. So, yeah, infuriated at the whole... Um, a whole species, really. I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm sure they do use that tail sometimes, but I just think, you know, why not use an efficient form of transportation, which is uh, flapping a proven method, which is flapping that yeah. tail around, Joey. There you go. So, yeah, a bit of an interesting grinds my gears there, Joey. Yes. Moving on, unless there's anything else you wanted to get mad got, at. No, we, no, that's it. We got some questions, though, don't we? We do have some questions. First of all, first one is from Bo Ely. Oh, yep. I'll see if I can get that up on our screen there um, into the questions Goals section. for 2024, both fishing and podcasting, Joe. Yep, I've got it here. What do you think? What's our goals? Um, I would – I've said this before. I'd like to organise some kind of uh, listener's trip maybe towards the end of the year. I've got a couple of ideas in mind. I think it would be good to actually take our Wind Against Tide – on a trip and yeah there'd be some lots of our content and some nice memories to make there love to do that um would like to would like to get to maybe a couple of the trade shows as well would be nice i th- oh, i'm gonna keep it single simple i would just love to film some really really good quality footage and get the podcast uh booting along you know smooth that out a little bit and um Work on that. We, we, we are working on a few things in the background. It's fantastic to uh, get the support of a couple of big companies on board this year, which has been fantastic and I think that's going to enable, enable us to make the product even better and expand our audience a little bit and hopefully, you know, by the end of the year we've grown a bit more and we've accomplished a few things and uh, everyone's had a good time. Yeah, good Is that question. a nice, nice deep answer for you? Yep. Um, Hoodies. Steve Felsinger has asked, do you have the new hoodies back in stock in black? It's probably about that time that we should... Uh, so I must apologise, Steve. It's sort of gone on the back burner with all the big life changes going on. They've, they sat in a room. But my, uh, my beautiful wife today, she went through them all, did a stock take, and she's started to upload them all onto our website, winningandstide.com.au. The shop will go live in the next few days. Um Hopefully, we'll say by the end of next week, Joe, they'll all be up on the store and you can just simply go to the store, click on them and buy the um, the size and style that you're after. We don't have a heap of stock left at the moment, but we are starting to get ready to put through another another order. So we'll be topped up again, Joe. Yeah, awesome. So quite good timing that you've asked that question there. Um, Ren McNeil's uh, more of Joey's cheap fuel reports. There we go. Yeah, I didn't think. Oh, let's see, it's good. That's good feedback. I didn't realize <laughs> that was it was so enjoyed that um, little little fuel watch update. It's I not, might even. I might even. Um, that's the one person, Ren. I might even get one get one prepared um, 
a bit, bit, bit later on. Yeah. I think Ren's a bot. Oh. I don't think that can be a real human, can it? Okay. Well, that's it for the questions. I, unless I you've got anyone, anything else. Nah, there weren't a lot of questions this week. Yep. I don't, don't think anyone really enjoyed the fuel watch, surely. Well, they did because they wrote in. I know. That's Why would they not write in for something that wasn't true? Got to give people what they want, Joey. Yeah. So that was very, uh, yeah. Thanks for that, Ren. I think everyone would appreciate that one. Not. No, that would be good, Joey. We'll be on the lookout for Fuel Watch next week. Now, have you got anything else to add tonight before we sign off and say goodnight to our beautiful friends? No, I think it's been a good show, Dave. Um, There was something about an electric eel here, but maybe we've... The, the moment has passed, has it? Yeah. Um, no, I need I need technology to get that link up, but that's okay. I've got technology. Do you want me to do it? Yeah. Um, can you click on that link? I can click on that oh, link. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, we can do that. Um, so, yeah, as last week on our socials, we'd made a picture of a – sorry, we took a – we displayed a video of uh, a conga eel, which uh, Jonah Yick caught off the pier at Coles Bay. And um, his, uh, his lovely um, partner's uh, mother from England was like, oh, is that a bloody electric eel? It wasn't a bloody electric eel. It was a conga eel, but which got me down the rabbit hole of thinking, well, how dangerous is actually a bloody electric reel, uh, eel? eel. <laughs> electric eel. And um, anyways, I, I just saw this video on social media. This is actually what an electric eel can do to a human. If you have a look up on your screen now, Dave's going to play it. That's uh, that's the end of the video, but we'll start it again. Oh, it'll start again. I don't <laughs> it'll know. It'll start again in just a minute. We're on Instagram. It doesn't let me um, scrub through. Oh, that's okay. It's going to start again. So here we go. We've got two gentlemen in some kind of water hole here somewhere deep in the Amazon jungle, I assume, and it seems to be an eel that's caught in a net and <laughs> he's just uh, he's cracked the shits um, there, but it's gonna it's gonna start again right go. now. So there we go. We've got a gentleman got an electric eel in a net, and he's gonna touch that eel. He's grabbed that eel, and oh, he's just frozen up like a piece of timber, and he's fallen over. He's taking the piss, surely. And his body's all spasmed up. So Is that legit? Yeah, he fully got knocked out. He got knocked out. But no, he's not happy with that eel. He's there you go. he's swearing at it, and yeah, he's not a happy camper. That fellow. Well, that was the most smooth viewing of a video we've ever done, <laughs> and we really just crowbarred it randomly into the end of the show. So yeah, hope everyone it's been a bit that, that way. Anyway, Joey, I think we're going to sign off for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. We got through a whole show without any internet interruptions. So well done to Tech Guru Suraj for setting us up. So that we could not fail. Well, I did have a big complaining session to Telstra, but yeah, they told me everything's fine. But maybe they, the tech gods are upon us. But hey, well, basically, Suraj set us up with like a backup, and then we had a backup to the backup. That's true. If the internet went down, are you, so are you going fishing this weekend, Dave? Uh, don't know. My boat's not really usable, so someone will have to invite me out, and the weather will have to be good. There you go. Dave Guide is available this weekend. I'm pimping him out. He's available. Get him on board. Yes, do so. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for uh, spending your night with us. Really appreciate it. Hope that everyone has a fantastic weekend, Get stuck into some fish, and we'll catch you next week. We'll catch you next week. Love you all.